0: Greetings and welcome to the For The Ride podcast. I'm your host, Adam Vanderveen, and as always, all the views and opinions expressed on the podcast are solely those of myself and the guest. All right, so uh, on a previous recent episode, I promised you three weeks in a row of straight podcasts, and we, I believe, has successfully delivered that. However, I'm going to go on uh, one last little break here. And the reason being is I have a trip to California planned in the near future, and I'd love to end the season on a bang with some really great episodes. So I'm going to record some interviews when I go out to California in a couple weeks, and then we'll come back with the last three episodes of the season, and I promise they will all be uh, really solid episodes. Not that any of the ones from this season haven't been, but think we got uh, a real treat in guests that i'll be talking with on that california trip i have some really exciting news right now that we put out last friday in a press release and a press conference from the motocross of nations event which happened uh, over the weekend at redbud so during that we announced the new triumph racing sub brand, uh, which is pretty cool that all racing activities will now be under the brand Triumph Racing, which has its own logo and everything. And it is a a really good foreshadowing of things to come. And along with that, we announced that we'll be competing officially in MXGP in the 250 class in 2024. And we'll be competing in the 450 class in 2025. So with those announcements, it really gives a good idea that Triumph is in fact coming with a range of off-road motorcycles in the near future, and hopefully by the next episode that gets published, there'll be even more news, and I can't wait to share that with you. And hopefully by the next episode, there's going to be even more news that I'll be able to share, and I'm looking forward to filling everybody in on that. But if you'd like to learn more about what I just shared, I'm just going to add the link to this story in our bio. All right, now for one of my favorite sections, it is the time to read a listener comment and award somebody a t-shirt. So today's comment is from Rob O Bide, and the title of the comment is Two Wheel Storytellers. And Rob O'Bide says, awesome podcast, diverse group of guests each episode. I ride a triumph, and that's what brought me here. But this podcast is truly for anyone that wants to hear about different experiences of, of motorcycle culture, honest and interesting stories not just a marketing tool about triumph only. Host is also from Wisconsin, so that's a plus in my book. Go Pack Go. All right, well, Rob, uh, I appreciate that comment, and I chose it because it is football season, and our Packers have redeemed themselves after the first game of the season. So I personally hope to see that streak stay alive. And, Rob, I'm looking forward to sending you a T-shirt. I might even try to find a green triumph t-shirt to celebrate our shared love for the green bay packers just send me an email to for the at triumphmotorcycles.com with your size and address and we'll get that shirt out to you and for anybody else i would like to win a triumph t-shirt go ahead and after you listen to this episode give us a five-star rating on apple podcasts and please leave your own comment or questions and if i read your comment uh, we'll send you a t-shirt as well All right, now for today's guest, I got to do a, uh, for me, a very fun interview with a gentleman named Noah Garrett, who is a professional stuntman. He had a martial arts background and that transitioned to doing a lot of stunts in film and TV shows. And I'll just apologize ahead of time. Some of these episodes are heavily related to motorcycles. And this one, of course, we talk about motorcycles because Noah is an owner of a Triumph Scrambler 1200 Steve McQueen edition, which is super cool. But given Noah's stunting and martial arts background, we did tend to spend a, a good amount of the podcast diving into to that and a little less about motorcycles than uh some typical episodes but i had fun and i hope you guys enjoy it with that said here's my interview with noah i got the key to the highway So you own one of the few Scrambler 1200 Steve McQueen edition motorcycles. So yes, uh, it doesn't get very cooler than Steve McQueen. Um, where'd you find it? Because I know they're kind of rare.
1: Well, so I think it was uh, when we were over at the Barber Museum uh, last time. Um, uh, Frankie Massey and I were walking around. Uh, Triumph had uh, one of their booths set up. And uh, when we were talking to uh, one of the the Triumph uh, dealership owners, um, Frankie was like, oh, I heard that you guys still have a Steve McQueen or or whatever. And and that piqued my interest because I knew that Frankie had uh, gotten his hands on one from uh, uh, the owner over at Pops. And I was like, oh my god, I didn't know that there was still a possibility to be able to purchase one. And so I was like, well, if you guys still have it, is anybody interested? And they're like, Lots of people are interested, but nobody's like gone ahead and said that they're going to purchase it, so I was like, "I'm buying it." And he's like, okay, all right, tomorrow. So you, <laughs> yeah, you, you're at
0: the right place at the right time. Yeah. Um, they, they still I mean because it really any one of these dealers, I think, had it for days at most, mm-hmm. and that's kind of normal when we do these um pretty rare mm-hmm. bikes uh, because uh, actually that one, I think every dealer got one. And then, I mean, some of these bikes, uh, you know, maybe a quarter of the network will get one and it's, uh, we have an internal way of, uh, allocating a little bit of a luck of the draw, Mm -hmm. um, thing on who gets one just to keep it very fair and not, um, not just give it to the same like huge, you know, that big volume dealers all the time. We want it to be as fair as possible, but, Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm glad you snagged one.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I mean, was it the same situation with the mission impossible bike that, (laughs) Did each dealership get one of those? So
0: I'm not aware. I don't think we made a, a special edition for Mission Impossible um, uh, unless you know oh, something no, I don't. no,
1: sorry. <laughs> I'm not talking Mission Impossible. Do, uh, 007. Uh, sorry. James Bond. Yeah. yeah, the Bond edition bikes. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, no, so those were uh, more rare. There's... Um, we did a scrambler and a tiger of mm-hmm. those and there was 250 in the world. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's, uh, about 40 of each in the United States. Wow. So that's why, the, I mean, those are like r- really, really rare. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the McQueen off the top of my head, I think there's closer to 750 in the world. I don't know. You have the number plate on It's a, a, it's, it's on a thousand yours, right? in the world. Um, in when the, I, right, when I had talked the, to
1: Frankie, he said that there was about 300 in the U.S.,
0: uh, I don't know how accurate that is, but okay, mm-hmm. that, that might be close. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, again, uh, glad you have. Uh, you're one of the 300, if that's the case. Or, yeah, <laughs> uh, one of the thousand in the world, which is uh, still pretty cool. Because on yours, is there the is there a number plate?
1: Yes, mine's number 84.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. low number. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. Um. Yeah, and that one's sort of luck of the draw too. On the, yeah, what numbers are what? Um, we did a cool thing actually with. Uh, the McQueen family. So they got number 001 mm-hmm. and number 002 and then um 287 which is McQueen's racing number. Uh we auctioned that off. Uh we did that through Meka Auctions and then donated all the proceeds for that bike. It went for like in the ballpark of 50 uh 50 grand uh, new one of those and maybe a little bit higher than that but um, then Steve went to a, a school called the Boys Republic in Chino, California. That's like where he went to high school, and it was for, um, for lack of a better term, like challenged, like young men. <laughs> um, and and he really credits that school for shaping him uh, in his formative years. So then, throughout his life, he gave back uh, a lot towards that school, and the family is very close to that school still. So every year they have the um steve mcqueen car show and it's a huge car show so I, I got the opportunity to go do it and i mean you wouldn't believe how many um like how many mustangs are there oh, uh, more than anything right because <laughs> he's sort of known for that 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 bullet mustang so tons of mustangs but uh, tons of motorcycles too so um that his race number was then uh auctioned off and all the proceeds went to that um uh, donated to that school
1: very cool that's
0: so, awesome yeah sorry a little bit of a tangent there but no i love it um well so it, one of the things i, I like to do actually I now mean, we just dove right into riding which is is cool yeah, it's a motorcycle it's podcast easy to do um <laughs> yeah, but I, I i love to get to know the guests a little bit um just so um, well, myself and the listeners kind of have a, a good baseline of who i'm even talking to but um so Noah you are um by profession a stuntman uh, film Stuntman. That's correct, so, yes. Um, how'd you get into that?
1: Well, it it's interesting. I, I started martial arts when I was a very little kid, and um, going from uh, having a, a martial arts instructor who was a stunt coordinator himself, uh, Pat Johnson, he did a lot of movies back in the 80s, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Karate Kid, Mortal Kombat anything big in the 80s, he, he did like Enter the Dragon and a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. All right. Like, I, I just
0: want to stop that. Like, I, we could talk about all of those because, I mean, these are all films I grew up uh, watching. I mean, starting with Ninja Turtles, that was, yeah. uh, I was a massive fan. Um, that, I think one of my proudest accomplishments as a parent is that my six-year-old is now also a fan of the Ninja Turtles. Uh, yeah, you've made it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that's a good one. But, uh, man, that, yeah, that's a great, list of films that he was on yeah, uh, no. he,
1: he was a very prestigious uh, stunt coordinator and martial artist he uh, ha- came from a tang sudo background and tang sudo muda Kwan was one of the only does that didn't merge into taekwondo it stayed as its own thing and then he he competed for a long time as a full contact fighter and then got into the film industry himself
0: nice mm-hmm. and uh, with, uh, so where where did you grow up it...
1: i grew up here in georgia and so he was based out of California, but he was an overseeing instructor for the, the schools that I was a part of. So I came up under Joe Corley's system. He was the founder of the Professional Kickboxing Association, PKA, and then the Battle of Atlanta tournament that's been around for 50 years. So,
0: Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Is that, do, do they still have that? They do. When is that? Uh, next,
1: next summer. So we'll have to revisit it then.
0: Okay. Like
1: uh, June, July-ish time. So.
0: What, uh, what rules do they go by? Um, Well, it's all sport
1: karate for for Battle of Atlanta. Uh, You have some people coming from Taekwondo backgrounds that will will show up and, you know, they get a little bit of uh, acceptance, but uh, you have different divisions, whether it's traditional forms, whether it's uh, uh, like extreme forms. Extreme forms is like a form that's more contemporary where you kind of take an outline, but you create the choreography yourself and you perform and maybe you add some really cool flips and, and fun abstract things to it. Um, and then you have weapons forms and it's the same thing, a traditional weapons form an extreme weapons form, but there's a lot of different divisions for, for forms. And then you have all the fighting divisions where it can be point sparring, where you take the the karate moves, Taekwondo moves, and, uh, the judges reset you kind of like fencing, like where once that point happens, they reset you on the line and then it's like, and go. And then you're just trying to find the open to be able to get your points for your kicks and punches. And then you have the continuous divisions where they don't stop you. If uh, if things get too crazy, they 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 get everybody back into center. But uh, it just keeps going. So there's lots of divisions that they have in sport karate.
0: That's super cool. All right, yeah, and I'm gonna have to make it out to that. Of course, mm-hmm. you, uh, you know I'm a martial arts fan. I think mm-hmm. uh, that probably everybody that's ever listened to one of these episodes knows it too, because mm-hmm. um, that's what I do. So um, we might go more down that rabbit hole in this episode than than most. <laughs> uh but uh, actually and cool to talk m- a little bit about a of, of very specific discipline mm-hmm. um because i've gotten more into mar- mixed martial arts which, which is like yeah many, you're a martial artist yourself right you yeah know. um and then but uh, certainly i mean as a kid probably like many many kids in the 80s um i did uh karate and taekwondo mm-hmm. uh and I, mean, I enjoyed that it was a weird thing though i i um I quit for the the uh, really a a poor reason. You know, if I like <laughs> reflect back on it now, I'm like, man, that what a, you know, snotty little kid, but uh I I quit because I couldn't continue to rank up um and it was based on age. Like oh, really? there there's actually And what a, do you mean
1: you couldn't <laughs> continue ranking up? What do you mean?
0: Um I think I had gotten like a I don't know, for uh, the I, I couldn't tell you exactly what the the belts are named, but I had like a youth black belt, mm-hmm. and um, and I couldn't get like uh-huh. the adult black belt. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, you, you had to
1: wait till you had a certain age before right. you could go into the adult belt system. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: like, so anyways, for a uh, for a little kid, it, it was frustrating because I'm like, hey, I, can, I like, I could test for that, mm-hmm. and I felt confident that I could you know, do the, do the forms and a lot of the testing requirement to mm-hmm. uh, get to that next level. And I just didn't have the maturity to like actually understand that th- there's probably good reasons why th- there, there's an age limit on that. But uh, anyway, so then I, I stopped doing it and probably started doing other sports.
1: Gotcha. <laughs> no, yeah. That'll do it. Would you ever get back into it? Do you think, do you have an interest uh, in, in going up the belt system again for another martial art?
0: I don't think so, and I and funny enough, I mean the the one martial art with a belt system that I participated in is Brazilian jiu jitsu, mm-hmm. and I'm like a one stripe belt, uh, one stripe white belt, mm-hmm. like so. I've been doing that for I don't know, like fifteen years, mm-hmm. um, but it it's kind of rare that I throw on the gi. And actually, I'm at a, a school now where it's predominantly a gi school on the jiu jitsu side. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm always looking for an excuse to take it off. Right. Um, and that's like, so for me, because that school is very gi prominent. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey, no, come on guys. Let's, let's take it off. And I mean, there's some higher ranking guys there, but when we go no gi, it's a, it's like kind of a neutralizer. Cause they're very skilled in it and, and like using it for different grips. And then, um, when we lose it, it it's taking that weapon away from them. And, and, uh, Mm-hmm. really coming in my world. So I mean they are they're much better technical guys than I but um but they're really good in that particular style which is is pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, no for sure. That is cool.
0: But I mean, but, but which, just as which an school example. Is this? Uh PTC Combat Fitness in Peachtree City. So it's, it's okay. right by the uh Peachtree City Airport. So it it just like everything else if uh so uh so I moved to Atlanta like 3 years ago mm-hmm. and our office is at the airport uh basically we're across the street from uh ATL airport uh like across the street from Delta headquarters and that's maybe without traffic like 15 minutes south of downtown atlanta mm-hmm. um so then strategically uh, when i brought my family here we made the decision to move then south of the office just cuz i didn't want to fight crosstown traffic every day as a commuter um but uh, we we quickly learned that everything in the Atlanta metro area is basically north of town. So there's uh, so on the as a south sider, there's like a single gym on the south side that has you you know what would resemble uh, a, any form of competitive mixed martial arts. So um, that it's a it's like the jujitsu culture that I'm used to, and then. Um, then I'm coaching the kickboxing program there and there's been a couple guys that have taken fights since I've been there. So it's um it, it's almost non existent on the south side. I've been lucky enough to find this one gym that I can um uh, train at a little bit and coach at a little bit and then uh, get my kids in there.
1: Awesome. That's yeah.
0: cool. Um, by the way, you know the, the there's been an open invite for you to come Yes, Coming to the gym we, for yes, we uh, uh, well over a year now.
1: <laughs> we still got to make it happen. I mean, you've been busy, I've been busy, but uh, we, we do need to make time and make yeah. that happen.
0: No, I well, that that's the the unfortunate thing. I, I think, um, yeah, we're just crazy busy, but I mean, doing things that we love. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, speaking of busy, I uh, just before you came in, I took a look at your uh, IMDV, and I mean, you are in a ton of films, and if I just look at like 2019, 2020, 21, 22. It's like a long list of films every single year. So you're staying very busy.
1: Thankfully, um, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of people believe in me over the years since I've started. And uh, it's been wonderful. And uh, just the consistency between my friends, um, working around people that I care about that equally care about me. Um, it, it keeps rolling and hopefully it keeps rolling, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and you're... Uh, I, like, I don't actually know your real age, but I, I, you're relatively young, right? Yes. Is that, like, are you particularly young in that industry? I'd say so.
1: I mean, I started pretty young, like, going back to to Pat Johnson and then my martial arts experience. Um, I got fathered into the industry at a pretty young age. Like, uh, uh, for example, Pat Johnson, he had a movie called The Unlikely President, and um, he came back to Atlanta for that. And there was a boxing scene in a martial arts school. Where they needed a bunch of uh, people in the background just sparring, like it was a class, while the the main actors were were in the ring moving around. So that was like my first job, being exposed into the industry, and I was probably like twelve or thirteen years old. Oh wow! Where he, where he okay. brought me into yeah, very to, young to, to be able to to do that. So that was like my first time having a camera in front of me, in a sense, to be able to do stuff. And then from there, by the time that uh. I, I was older, I was officially getting into stunts because, uh, the rules for minors being a part of stunt scenes had changed back then. They were a little bit more lenient, but, uh, by the time I was coming into it, they, they really were focused on making sure that you were an adult by then. So, um, I was still training with a lot of uh, stunt friends locally here in Georgia, uh, just because they were coming in and out of the gym. So I started a network through, through Pat. And then through some friends that were doing auditions here in Georgia, coming up from Florida, or from, or now that L.A. was coming to Atlanta. And then um, uh, just right place, right time, I met a lady named Jennifer Badger. She was doing a movie called Hot Summer Nights, um, and uh, Timothy Chalamet was the, the lead actor, and I was the perfect size for him. So I got brought in officially, full-time, uh, through, through Jennifer Badger, and that kind of started my career.
0: Right on. Uh, so that uh, one of my questions I, I, I had coming into this is mm-hmm. I, I was really curious how much of it like it landing any role is your skill versus like how much you fit the actor or like how much you could realistically portray that actor?
1: Well, it's a, it it goes both ways. If you look absolutely nothing like the actor, but you're incredibly talented it still goes back to to director's choice. It's like if something's going to stick out in a movie to where it's like it takes you out of the moment where it's like you're 30 pounds heavier, 30 pounds lighter than the actor, it's like it's better to get somebody probably less talented so the viewer isn't like, whoa, what did I just watch? Because then they're taken out of a moment. But then at the same time it's like you don't want to bring somebody in that can't do the job because safety as well. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure everybody's as safe as possible and also you just want to make sure it looks good. So wherever that balance scale is of just like how much do they look like them and also where is their skill level at it kind of goes back and forth so
0: okay Mm -hmm. so then um who have you doubled for that you'd say you look the least like and the most like
1: (laughs) oh my god um uh, let's see here so i've looked the most like probably timothy chalamet that's up there um when I was doing the Karate Kid series, I did three seasons of it. And for for a while, Sholo um, Maraduena and I looked very similar, but I also doubled like four characters <laughs> on okay. that show. So I, I, I had a, a moment where I was able to to double Ralph Macchio. Uh, we were relatively close in size.
0: That's uh, a cool one. <laughs> right. Uh, so did, did you grow up watching those films?
1: It, it definitely felt full circle, especially okay, yeah. for the fact that Pat was the original stunt coordinator for the Karate Kid movies. And he was also the ref. In the in the scenes as well, it was really the ref in your scenes. Well, well, the ref in um uh, the the original original movies. Okay, so um it it definitely felt full circle that my martial arts instructor was also, uh, (laughs) you know, a part of that, and now I'm doing Mm, the next round of series. So that was a little surreal for
0: me. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. So then, like, did you do... Uh, I know they did some, like, tournament scenes. Yes. So did you do some of those?
1: I did. Okay. So uh, during the tournament scenes, especially for season one, uh, Sholo Meridueña, who plays Miguel, I was his main stunt double. So um, I, I was definitely heavily involved in that. We got uh, Sholo trained up pretty well as well, so he was doing a lot of action himself, too. So we, we had a lot of fun.
0: Man, All right, so... What does it feel like to and and I'm I I don't know exactly. I have seen I think a lot of them, but I don't I couldn't keep track of um how the characters did in each of those tournaments, but I met were there tournaments where you had to lose? Uh yes. Well,
1: what, so when <laughs> and you're And
0: what does that feel like cuz you're I, I you're very highly skilled, but now you have to go in and like act
1: yeah, you, like definitely you have you go to lose, to scripted,
0: scripted lose. How tough is that?
1: Well, I guess it just depends, for example, like when you're doubling like a lead uh, protagonist or whatnot, it's a little bit of a confidence booster because most of the time with the protagonist, you don't lose. And if you do lose, it's not for long. Uh-huh. But when you're doing like maybe an indie stunt position where you're not necessarily doubling somebody, but you're uh, a smaller antagonist that the, the hero has to fight, you're always
0: losing no matter what. Right. So
1: when, you, when you're going in to do an indie role on a set, you know that you're probably going to get your butt handed to you for the day,
0: <laughs> even so, though in real life you could win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's rough. Mm-hmm. That, that's funny. Well, it's like very cool that you got to do that series just b- because of your upbringing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, it was very yeah. cool. Um, What? All right. So it, it's a maybe a natural transition from like being a martial artist to doing martial arts stunts have you fanned out and done other style film stunts then
1: yes no totally and it's it's highly encouraged especially um if you want to be able to uh really establish yourself in in the industry like if you're just a one-trick pony you're you're gonna get called to do that one thing but you might be like oh well I don't feel like I'm working that much. It's because you haven't really extended yourself into other areas. It's a very trade skill industry. It's like you, everybody comes in with an ability, and then it's just your decision. If you want to take that ability and then expand on others. Like we have motorcycle riders, mm-hmm. you know, like Ernie, you know, he's incredible. And then so many others, but like you, you, you find people that you respect their abilities and hopefully you get along enough to where everybody just kind of helps each other. So you might learn some motorcycle abilities, some firework, uh, some some rigging, uh, lots of different things. So, you if you really want to do well in this industry, you gotta
0: just kind of have expand like, as much you have as have possible. A d- diversified skill set, yeah,
1: Ex- exactly. So, and
0: then where, like, how do you pick that up? So, I mean, with your martial arts background, that was years and years of training, mm-hmm. not necessarily even with stunt in in mind. You just trained because you loved it. Now. If you want to diversify your like stunt skills is there a place you can learn that
1: um yeah it's 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 really just where the professionals are because everybody is going to be in a different place you're not going to go to a martial arts gym and learn from a a wheel guy and learn how to drive like you got to go to their area so you find out um uh, like people that you respect and that you can trust and that are safe and then you, you stay in touch with them you figure out where they're practicing and then you uh, you meet their schedules to to see how much you can go learn with them. So whether it's going to the track on 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 Sunday and then on Monday you're in sparring classes with another friend, but uh, it, it all just kind of depends. But uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to just kind of find some good people that I trust, and then trying to expand where I can. Whether it's stunt rigging, which I've I've really enjoyed, um, that's been a lot of fun. And you'll see in a lot of the the Marvel movies where people are going flying everywhere or. Or big wrecks or whatnot. A lot of that is uh, rigging involved, and then um, picking up some driving as well, and and firework. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm open to it all. So,
0: Neat. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, any riding?
1: Any riding? Yeah. So um, actually, a movie came out the other day. It's called Do Revenge. Um, a guy that I doubled, uh, he uh, uh on Miss Marvel, he uh, he had this scene with a, a Triumph Thruxton. And uh, they needed a stunt double for it. So Jennifer Badger, the one that got me into the industry, she called me and she was like, hey, um, I I want you to come in. And uh, I want you to ride this motorcycle for me, and it was in Miami. And I was like, "Of course, I'm going to be there." Gonna... Wait,
0: what? You <laughs> want me to come to Miami and ride a motorcycle in this? All right, and I'm it's like... a Thruxton. That, that's yeah. super cool. Wait, so uh, this film is called "Do Revenge."
1: Do Revenge. Yes. I didn't. So th- this is
0: a rare instance, I think, where we have a bike in a film, and it's not even on my radar. But, oh yeah. So th- yeah, let, let me know about this. It's this... a.
1: It's a Triumph Thruxton. It's a 2013. But um the the actor's name is Rishaw. He's a wonderful human being. I uh, I was fortunate enough to double him on Miss Marvel. But uh yeah I I got there, found out it was a 2013 Triumph Ruxton. It was a beautiful bike, but uh, unfortunately it was a pos. <laughs> like, oh no! <laughs> like there was there was something going on. Like if it was just me riding on it, it was totally fine. Pulling out the clutch and letting the bike just kind of carry you through. But um, I had a passenger on the back and as you let that clutch grab it just kept going out
0: oh and man so. well and who knows where they sourced it from hey, which so. is like this is uh <laughs> I, 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 I wish i would have known actually i haven't I'm, I'm sure we could easily help place that one or or find the right bike for it but i mean I, i'm glad they found it and that that's cool what's uh and it's out right now
1: yeah it, it came out on friday on netflix um yeah there's a, a writing sequence at some point in it i'm not gonna share too yeah, much right. no, in case no anybody spoilers. wants just, to just go watch it yeah, yeah but that's uh, cool. it was a good time you know If you get paid to go hang out in Miami, you do it. So,
0: yeah. So that was that your first um, double? uh, Yeah, I guess stunt opportunity on motorcycle.
1: You know what? I think it was okay. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, it it uh, for me, motorcycles was always more of like a hobby. It's something that I've always wanted to get into, Um, getting into the stunt industry, and then just being a martial artist. Literally, my whole entire life. Um, I finally hit a point where I was like, I have to have more hobbies. It can't just be like martial arts and uh, maybe a couple other things. So I really wanted to expand motorcycle riding is something that I always wanted to do since I was a kid. But uh, my parents were not necessarily stoked about me doing so when you hit a certain age and you're like, you know what, I can kind of take my own decisions. <laughs> You go and do it, so. Yeah, yeah.
0: didn't you, did you tell your parents right away?
1: Oh, I mean, I just kind of showed up at the house. I was like, look what I got.
0: All right, there you <laughs> go. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. How long ago was that when you started riding?
1: I started riding when I was, I want to say 19 years old. But um, I, I finally started getting into the industry and making a good bit of money. And I was like, I, this is something that I want to do. I picked up a bike and I I knew that I could get into it for a stunt aspect, but that was never my ambition. It was was just to be able to ride. But um, since I've been riding more, the calls have been kind of coming up more of like, how comfortable are you now
0: with with your riding? Because they know, they already know you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then if they know you, you have well this new skill and you're talking about picking up skills. Mm -hmm. yeah, Exactly. Is there any concern that, that you would take this thing that you just love and you're, you're really doing it with writing, talking about for something outside of work. Is there any concern that doing it too much professionally will like just take away this thing that you're protecting as a, a hobby and a passion?
1: Well, it's, it's possible, but at the same time, I've, again, never marketed myself as a stunt writer, so I'm very honest, like, if it's, like, a, <clears throat> a pres- more of a precision writing thing or a couple things within my wheelhouse that I've been able to mess around and have fun with friends and, like, do a little bit of stunt writing, I'll, I'll say yes to it, but uh, at this point in my career, I wouldn't consider myself a stunt writer, but if the opportunity comes and it's uh, within my wheelhouse, I'll take it, but I don't feel like this is something that would ruin the interest for me. But, uh, I mean, I have other things like that, that I try to protect. For example, photography, like I've done photography since I was a little kid. My father taught camera production. And I told myself that I would never want to be paid for photography because the second I start getting paid for it, I feel like it's going to become a job. So for me, I'm very protective of my photography because I just want to keep that purely as a passion. But, um, in regards to, to motorcycles i don't know uh if, if that would happen
0: okay mm-hmm. well that is so I, I i may be a little similar on the the photo aspect and uh, mm-hmm. so i grew up in a photo studio my dad was a commercial photographer and mm-hmm. and um so, and you've brought up uh frankie frank massey who's mm-hmm. a, a stills photographer for film he's mm-hmm. on my list i want to bring him in and, and do an episode with him because i think yes totally uh we would totally jive because it was i mean such a cool upbringing being brought up in that uh photo studio that i i like i'm looking forward to having that chat with him and Mm -hmm. just kind of bringing it back to um to my upbringing and and uh and he's an all-around cool guy and co scrambler 1200 steve mcqueen edition owner
1: yep i think he's got number 32 yeah so he's got a pretty low number as well (laughs) yeah
0: no it's a a cool guy on um on his end i actually i finally just met him in person, which is crazy that that um, I hadn't met him in person yet, because uh, he half time lives in Atlanta and, and goes to a lot of riding events. Mm-hmm. You know what? That, that that's probably not true. I think I've like briefly shook in his hands at a distinguished gentleman's ride. But
1: mm-hmm. well, I mean, that, those he's going to be in town soon. He, he's starting his next film, so you oh, probably good. catch. There him, we go. So. Yeah,
0: we're we're going to yeah. try and catch him. But mm-hmm. um, but I did meet him at this uh, that road racing film. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've talked a little bit about that on this podcast, but I'm saving the details until I uh, bring on the directors, some of the stars of that film. But, Mm -hmm. um, but Frank got to shoot stills at that, um, that, that film about, uh, American road racing. So that was Mm -hmm. uh, my first time just spending a little bit of time with him, but no, it was good to see him. One of the things I I was curious, just kind of knowing that he rides and, and you ride, but, uh, particularly, um, other stuntmen um even guys that aren't stunt riders is there a big correlation do you think between like people that are professional stuntmen and uh and motorcycle riding
1: you know what uh i i do feel like to an extent there is but you'd be surprised how many stunt guys have never or stunt women have never ridden a bike in their life it, it's oh, really? it's a it's a pretty uh, niche thing but um unless somebody came from like a dirt bike uh riding background or whatnot like or um at some point, was like, you know what? I just think motorcycles are badass, and I just want to get to it. Uh, most of the time, like people don't add that to their wheelhouse. It's Not very strange, yeah, because
0: yeah. it just seems. Well, yeah. I mean, you found mm-hmm. it as a just a, a great recreation, yeah, hundred percent. I, I think your counterparts would just enjoy it for yeah. that.
1: And I'm sure you would agree with me, but like just having a motorcycle brings so much community around you. I, I have gained so many new friends from it. A whole new outlet besides just my martial arts. Uh, base but it's it's really cool that once you pick up a bike you start going to all the different events or whatever um you you, you realize how many more friends you can make from that and then opportunities that expand out of it it's yeah hundred really cool well, then, I mean th- mm-hmm.
0: this is how we've gotten to know you actually you yeah know, like we're we're connected just through the, the atlanta motorcycle scene but you happen to do a, a really cool job and i wanted to chat with you about it and, yeah no, i appreciate it uh, and, and we're co-martial artists so good to chat with you about that um one of the, another question I had is one of the backgrounds that I would imagine being a, a really big pathway to stunting is or uh, do you call it that? Like, what what do you call your profession?
1: Um, uh, st- uh, well, it depends on where you're at within the department. If you're a stunt performer, you might just say stunt performing, but if you've, you've worked your way up to, to stunt coordination and action design, you might just call yourself a, a stunt coordinator, action designer or whatever. But I mean, people say stunting, you know, okay. it just kind of depends.
0: So, yeah. Gotcha. Cause I also use that term for like what Ernie does, mm-hmm. like, he, you know, he does, yeah. uh, he, he, he does stunt riding in films but he's also he does stunt performances um and actually i was with him over the weekend oh cool went to a cool event called uh, clutch control in uh in new jersey so alan lane has a a publication called sport bikes inc Mm -hmm. and then um for many years he's thrown this event called clutch control and it's always been in the city of philadelphia i guess it's been on a on a bridge itself which kind of sounds cool but Mm -hmm. he moved it out to the new jersey motorsports complex uh, so it was a little smaller because it's the first year in a new venue and it's out of town, but it was a cool event. And um, so Ernie and um, Nick was going to go, but um, the, he he couldn't make it. So they flew in uh, one of this other guy that they, they've they performed with a lot over the years. And uh, they did a couple shows. Uh, Jason Britton uh, is another guy that's a, kind of a, a mainstay in that community. He did a couple shows, but it, anyways, a long way about saying that. I mean, I, if I say stunting, I also kind of refer to them so that that's why I asked is a bit of a generic term maybe.
1: Yeah, no, I th- I think it's pretty universal. And if anything, nobody's going to give you a hard time because they understand the context that you're, you're giving. So, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so I've gotten now sidetracked, very sidetracked from asking you a question. Um, the, I, I imagine a lot of stunt performers would have a gymnastics background. Is that yes. true? Very common. Very okay. common.
1: And, uh. Yeah. A lot of gymnasts make some of the best stunt guys and stunt women because of their air awareness that, that they get. Because oh, yeah. uh, whether it's for high falls, um, any form of, uh, like trampoline work, we have a piece of equipment called a uh, air ram where you, you, you jump onto it and, it and it triggers, um, an air compression to be able to launch you or whatnot. But Having a form of uh, air awareness really helps to be able to make sure that you're obviously staying safe and that you can land where you need to land.
0: Yeah, so I mean, because gymnasts they,
1: are pretty consistent with that.
0: They spend so yeah. much time, mm-hmm. yeah, just twisting and flipping that. I mean, that I, I, I've never done that, but I can't imagine just keeping track of where you are in the air while you're mm-hmm. twisting and flipping multiple times. No, definitely. Um, so, the, the, and I kind of asked about that because I grew up. Uh, like in high school, a lot of my best friends were gymnasts, uh, male gymnasts. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's weird that I feel like I need to specify that. But <laughs> uh, it, because it, it, it's more rare, I think, to be like a male gymnast than, than female. But I mean, those were those are my guys. And we actually did um, because of their skill set. We did a lot of action films together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were sort of th- interested in filmmaking, too. So we made. um I think we did four total, four feature-length action movies, and okay. they, I mean they were the most horribly written, like inscripted things you could ever imagine. And uh, but they were they were cool because those guys did a ton of crazy stunts, um, not even knowing what we we're doing. Like in a professional stunt setting, they just had the skill set being gymnasts, so they could do like anything crazy and like uh none of them were martial artists too but we did like super intensive martial arts scenes that were highly acrobatic just because of their gymnastics background
1: so you're saying that you were a part of these scenes too
0: i was a part of these scenes yeah you know what? You know what? Uh, now like i would play the the, the bigger slower character <laughs> in some of these fight scenes and mm-hmm. um I mean, like, and if I flipped, uh, or, or did something at, at all acrobatic, it was, um, uh, it was my friend Asani. So, and, and by the way, he's the producer of this podcast. So he's uh, like, oh, no way, yeah, he's, uh, he's gone on to do, um, a, a lot of directing, but it, he's been, uh, editing this podcast for fun. Uh, well, it, I mean, professionally, but he just enjoys it as like a little side gig <laughs> from the, the film projects that he's working on. but. Um, but yeah, if I did anything acrobatic, it, it was literally him like holding me in the air and like manipulating my body so that I didn't kill myself. And uh, he'd like set me down on my feet, basically.
1: Oh, that's funny. Well, if this footage is uh, still in existence, I, I need to see it at some th- point. Th- th- there
0: are some VHS <laughs> tapes out there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to find those. Uh, luckily, yeah, no, nothing on the internet, but, um, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, I I am proud of a single stunt that I've done. So I have to brag to you about this one. And it was, um, it was in my friend's dad's barn. We, we did a big fight scene in a barn, which is kind of gnarly. Cause we've, you know, the, we, we used what we found, right. So as tools for the, the, the filming. So we found like old rusty pitchforks and <laughs> axes and things like that. And then the, um, the fight sequence made its way to an upper deck within the barn. So it was maybe a 10 or 12 foot like platform that we were fighting on. And my character got like in the fight exchange worked towards the, the edge of the platform. And uh, my opponent in that scene front kicked me in the chest. And I, um, I jumped backwards and like fully laid out in the air and my, my friend Asani, he he was not the guy I was in the scene with. Um, he was on the ground, just ready standing there to catch me. <laughs>
1: no stunt pads or no, anything, no, just your no, buddy no, hoping no, he'll no catch pads, you. No nets,
0: no <laughs> wires, just like trust that if i lay out backwards and keep my arms out in the air he's gonna he's gonna catch me
1: that's the ultimate Uh, trust fall right there
0: (laughs) basically yeah if you've ever done a trust fall and you imagine like all right you just have to keep your arms open so somebody can catch you that's what it was but from 10 feet up and um he definitely took the brunt of of that stunt as the guy catching a you know 200 plus guy falling from 10 feet in the air
1: well, if you ever get some off time from Triumph, maybe you can be a stunt man again.
0: <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it would have to take uh, some really good wires.
1: <laughs> I don't know. You probably um, still got it. You're still training. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. It was it was a rush. Is, is there any a, any scenes that you've done where, like, it got your heart racing? Like, you it felt a little sketch and it was a rush?
1: Yes, 100%. And so uh, everybody's got their thing, uh, whatever it is. For me, um, I'll do it. It's not my favorite thing to do in the world but it's heights I've, I've never been a fan of heights but I've done 80 foot D cells 90 foot D cells where you're you're standing on the top and you know you got to do it you got to make the scene and you're, you're, you're not going to be the guy to walk away and you also have to put trust in your team if you decide not to do something that's you basically telling your team that you don't think that they're professional you don't think that they've got your back and so you just really have to get out of your own mind and just be like you know what they've got me I need to believe in my own abilities and you just got to go for it. But uh, a D cell is basically a, a gold tail rigging line that's attached to you where you jump off of something and at a certain point it starts to slow down. So uh, I jumped off of an 80 foot building um, and then at about a, uh, 10 feet, it starts to slow you down before you hit the ground. And, you know, for me, with that not being something that I'm more keen to do, you just got to kind of go for it, stay out of your mind. And, you know, it. but at the same time, when you finish it's the best feeling ever it just just the ability to conquer a fear and and not let something control you i i love it and i think that's one of my favorite
0: parts about stunts just getting past something that might feel uncomfortable yeah that is uh that that's a lot of trust right there well and i've um they have maybe something comparable at uh climbing gyms Mm -hmm. the uh the auto belay Yep, yep uh but that one st- stops you right away mm-hmm. <laughs> so this one you have to wait until you almost hit the ground before it slows yeah, you down you're, that's you're, scary you're free
1: falling until 10 feet so you're just like when's it gonna kick in
0: <laughs> oh man um have you ever like bungee jumped or skydived
1: uh no not yet but uh i have some friends that uh are with uh red bull skydiving or or, or work closely with red bull skydiving uh like my buddy eric Solis, um phenomenal phenomenal skydiver but uh he hits me up all the time, and he's like, "Let's go skydiving," and I always come up with an excuse. I'm like, "Sorry, it's laundry day," or I don't yeah. know, whatever. But it's, it's fun. I have to get yeah. to it. Uh,
0: I've I've done it a couple times. It it for me it was much more enjoyable to do it without the, um, where you're like strapped to an instructor. I forget what they call it. Um, but I've only done that once, and um, the the freefall part is kind of the the cool part, and then mm-hmm. the the time under canopy is. Well, like I mean, that's nice too because it's just you're just up there and you can see everything and it's gorgeous. And mm-hmm. um, it the a funny thing on that with weight is uh, like once the chute opens, um, if you're like a heavier guy, you're gonna still come down a lot faster. So uh, me and my wife did it uh pretty early on when we were dating. I I bought her this package for her birthday, and I remember we got out of the plane at the same time and I was on the ground a good five minutes ahead of her. And just like watching, I'm like, Oh man, she's getting like all this time up there. And just, it was just a weight difference.
1: You're over here. Like I could have got more money out of this if I just didn't eat for a week. right? <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't know what it, what it would have taken, but that, um, yeah, that was a, a good time. I, I just asked, cause I was curious if it's comparable and I'm sure it is. But in fact, I think what you've done is, uh, even a little bit more of a rush than that. Cause you're, just getting that much closer to the ground before you slow down
1: mm-hmm. no for sure but uh yeah that that's just not an area i've explored yet still up for it but uh yeah you know you, yeah. you, you tackle one thing at a time
0: um so then i mean doing things like that is when i if i think about riding motorcycles i think everybody has different motivations mm-hmm. and um for some people it's actually riding is a little bit of a rush and and for other people it's the opposite it's like very peaceful where does riding fall in on that scale
1: um i think it's all depending on the type of riding that i do in the day like for me it can be very relaxing if i'm just kind of like hopping around the city i live by a lot of restaurants and stuff and if i'm just going a to b or whatever it's just peaceful to just be out on my bike instead of the car but uh if i'm coming down your direction with all, all the little turns that we have and and, and fun uh, that can be a little bit more exhilarating and I might feel a little bit of adrenaline from that. So it just kind of depends on the type of writing I, I do. And I mean, back to Frankie Massey. Um, when I was out in LA, I was doing a movie called rebel moon. And when I had some free time and he was around, he, he showed me some fun spots and we were riding oh, through yeah. Hollywood Hills. And then we would uh, ride all the way over to Malibu from Malibu. We'd hit the canyons and then we, we'd, we'd be back on the highway to head back over to Pasadena. But we, we had some fun hitting some pretty aggressive turns and that would be more of my adrenaline response. I'd say
0: <laughs> anybody that lives in Southern California is very spoiled uh, oh, with very. The, the, just the high volume of good riding. That's in very close proximity mm-hmm. to them. And I mean, being in, uh, in Atlanta, there's good riding around here, but it's going to take, well, uh, like for me, for example, uh, being on the South side, if I wanted to get to the, um to the foot of you know the mountains yeah go uh, over in, to like
1: suchus or something north georgia mountains yeah.
0: it's going to take me two hours to get there mm-hmm. uh but if you live in LA, you can live in the city and you know within i mean depending on traffic right that's the big asterisk but depending on traffic you could be 20 minutes from amazing roads mm-hmm. so that you, they're really spoiled and then they're they're just endless um have you done any like big rides
1: um no, I haven't. Uh, I th- okay. I think uh, the 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 biggest rides that I've done are maybe like 500 miles in a day, something like that. Oh, uh, I
0: mean, that, some good miles in a single day. Yeah. What, what was that one?
1: Uh, that that's California. That I just when I, when I got some of the the Triumph Media bikes and you had to break it in, you had to hit the 500 miles. I just I kept riding, so I I did the same ride that I did with Frankie. I, I went through Hollywood Hills up Malibu, and then I just kept going north for a long time, and then eventually I I turned back around, and then I. I work my back, uh, my way back to Hollywood. So, I mean, I'll, I'll do long rides, but I've never done any cross country rides yet.
0: Okay. Is mm-hmm. so it on, on the list? Yes, so it on, is. Yeah, right yeah. on. They, and by the way, you, the bobber looks pretty cool on you too.
1: <laughs> I love it. So,
0: I think anybody looks cool on the bobber, but... Mm-hmm. I,
1: it helps being 6'1". I, I know a lot of guys that that the XE would be <laughs> a little tall for them.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I bought a scrambler just because I'm tall. And mm-hmm. uh, and actually, I, I find... Um, I'm a little bit too tall to to be very comfortable on the bobber, but I'm jealous of anybody that like can ride it very comfortably because they, they, anybody that sits on that look just looks instantly cooler. Yeah,
1: no, for sure. And I mean, I have an Indian scout bobber, so it was really interesting to try the, the triumph bobber and and kind of see, see comparably like the, the difference, the, the triumph bobber, I mean, just with no aftermarket or whatever, it's pretty torquey. It's, 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 pretty peppy too like yeah it's get one, up of our, and going. The, one of yeah. our
0: 1200 uh mm-hmm. cc uh uh two-cylinder engines so it, it's a nice uh, it's a really nice ride mm-hmm. it's just, like i said it's just uh ooze is cool factor but um yeah no we'll, we'll have to plan a, a really good ride for you Let's do um it. i'm gonna uh, totally sidebar because i'm uh, i'm just recalling one other thing i wanted to ask you about a little bit and this is I've run into this a number of times, whether it's like, you know, talking to somebody like you or Ernie, or even just being on this, um, going to the set of that last, uh, road racing movie Mm. is I sort of surprised at how little people are talking about it while they're there. And I'm just curious, it, 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 you can give me an insight on that culture of, there is a culture of secrecy and, and from my perspective, like it'd be good promotion to start getting some of these projects out but could could you explain that like culture of secrecy of like you don't really talk about the projects you're on until they come out right is it-
1: yeah no for sure i mean you want your viewers to be able to get the most that they can out of a project and if we're going around and we're we're posting pictures beforehand or, or we're talking about uh script notes or storylines or whatever it's like there it, it really ruins things for people like you you don't want too much in 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 people's minds beforehand as far as like context because then they're not going to be able to feel certain things because they're just going to be focused on expectations of, of certain things that have been expressed to them and it's better to just kind of let the viewer just naturally feel something how they're supposed to feel it and how the director had intended it to be when they see the finished yeah. product yeah when they the, see the finished product
0: okay yeah so that makes sense where there's um it, as much as anybody that knows you if you're sharing what you're working on, it could get those people excited, but it could also take away from... Yeah, it, it's it, not, a, it's it, not it, about it, us. It's, it, a, it's it about pulls the, the experience. Curtain. It pulls the curtain back a little bit too much. Yes, exactly. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. f- fair enough. <laughs>
1: yeah, but I mean, don't get me wrong. There are moments where I'll be on set and I do a, a really big stunt or I have a really awesome moment where maybe I'm brought in as an action actor and I'm really excited about a role that I'm doing. And I want to be able to tell everybody, but it's just like, I just got to check myself and be like, you know what, this is about the overall project. It's not about me in the moment, but it'll eventually come out and then I can tell those stories. After the fact. Yeah. yeah. So So
0: there is a a time, but the time is is after. So you couldn't even tell, I mean, so are, are you allowed generally to even say what projects you're working on and not share anything else about them?
1: I mean- There are some films where the NDA is just absolutely insane. Um, Marvel used to be even uh, crazier with stuff like that. Star Wars is is pretty big about stuff like that sometimes where they're just like, even just like saying the name, you still kind of feel stressed about like, am I still sharing too much? But um, uh, overall, if you're just kind of sharing a name of a project and you're not giving any context, like it's not frowned upon because just about anybody could look it up on IMDB. I was just going to ask that
0: once, once it's on there are you sort of safe to at least admit that you're working on it
1: yeah but like for example when we were doing miss marvel they didn't even want us to put our imdb credit on until it came out because fans are so good about like looking up things and researching to be able to see who's going to be in a film because they're like oh well this person usually doubles this superhero so if i see them on imdb even if it doesn't say their title i guess it's safe to assume that daredevil is, is going to be on this marvel movie because this is daredevil and daredevil's stunt double or whatever yeah. but like they they just really stress nobody share anything until it's out because people are really good at piecing things together and ruining it for themselves well <laughs> so. but
0: but you see that oh that's so funny because mm-hmm. to me they're not ruining it for themselves to me they're like they get enjoyment out of like the the, the some the, the person that's going to mm-hmm. invest the time to do that uh i think they take a lot of enjoyment out of like putting the pieces together and then i I, of course they're gonna go watch it and see if they're right
1: yes exactly i don't
0: know if i yeah i don't know if they're spoiling it um i don't know yeah that that's an interesting angle on it uh definitely Mm
1: -hmm. no for sure i guess you could look at it a couple different ways
0: yeah Mm -hmm. is there uh, like uh, are there any other roles that you've been like incredibly proud of we we talked a little bit of the uh the Cobra Kai stuff but anything else where it's like you look back and you're like wow I did that whether it was doubling for a certain individual or like pulling off a, a big ba- actually here let, let's separate that mm-hmm. is there any like is there anybody that you've doubled for where it was like a, a extra valuable to you uh whether it's somebody you looked up for or just a big name that that felt like an accomplishment for you
1: well um I did a movie called Last Looks, and I was brought in as an action actor. So if they if they want you to do a stunt and also deliver lines, you kind of fall into a category where you're you're your own you're your own stunt guy, but you're also the actor on the set. But on Last Looks, I got to to do a full scene with Mel Gibson where we're exchanging dialogue back and forth. So not necessarily it was doubling somebody, but uh, getting a chance to deliver lines back and forth with Mel Gibson, and then him kick my ass that was all right that, that was a little surreal for
0: me was it him or his double that kicked your ass
1: it was Mel Gibson all right yeah, sweet. so I was like okay yeah. this is really awesome so you have those moments I'd, I'd say it really hasn't necessarily been about doubling somebody but it's been about the exchange with with an actor for okay. me that's that's created the surreal feeling in certain areas for me
0: and then mm-hmm. um once you've Doubled for a particular actor is there? Is that common for, like, for you to get called back for that actor regardless of the project?
1: um If you do a good job um and you're a really good double for the person, it, it, it's it's very likely. Like Sholom Erdouania for for uh, for Cobra Kai, I got called back for three seasons, and then I started uh, coordinating Coming to America too, so I wasn't on for for the next couple seasons after that um but I was I was thankful for that opportunity and then and Miss Marvel getting a chance to to do Miss Marvel with him and then getting called to go do do Revenge like uh that that kind of created the consistency for me by just being a good double for for those guys but you can make a career uh sticking with the same actor I mean my buddy Tonaloy has done that with his cousin uh, Dwayne Johnson uh, he's he's in all of his films under his contract but they look so similar that uh, right. he, he can pretty much just that's make his career sticking with uh, yeah. Dwayne Johnson, you know. So that's super it cool. Happens.
0: Well, it, you know, thinking back to the the Cobra Kai stuff, the, if you were that character's double from the beginning, actually, that character's martial art style is yours. It's almost synonymous with you as a person, not necessarily yeah. the character of somebody else. Because yeah. everybody's gonna, particularly in something like that, move a certain way. So that that's cool. That like you could probably take credit for yeah lending no. that character at least the 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 martial arts style
1: no for sure and um uh, i mean to to throw names out uh, our stunt coordinator for for those seasons uh Hirokota he was also a sport karate a practitioner like he competed in Battle of Atlanta and came from a very similar world but i mean uh i definitely had uh, a lot of say in regards to training my actor being there to kind of create a style and making sure we both look very similar when we're on camera and season one establishes that. And then you got to stick with it. But he also had his vision as well for, for all of us being power ranger back in the day and a great martial artist himself. But he, he definitely did a good bit of overseeing on everybody's styles as well.
0: Right on. Mm-hmm. Um, so then coming back to my other question, what about an, uh, an individual stunt? Is there like a, a one individual stunt that, was a benchmark for you or that you're really proud that you pulled off?
1: Um, I have one that everybody kind of has picked for me that they're like, Oh my God, like this was insane. But uh season two of Cobra Kai, um, I had a stunt that I had to do where I'm, I'm held on a line. It was supposed to be a D cell where, um, I mean, this isn't a spoiler at this point. Cause if you haven't seen season two by, by Cobra Kai by now, like, sorry. You're, yeah, sorry, go watch it. But, um, uh, he, he gets uh, knocked over the rail by Robbie and then he hits the, uh, the rail and then falls down the stairs and he ends up in the hospital for the next season. But uh, I'm, I'm a stunt double, so I got to do it. So I'm, I'm held above uh, the railing about uh, six feet. And then um, we, we did a D-cell uh, where it's something that's on a, a piece of equipment called a gold tail where the ropes run through. And the, the gold tail has four holes in it, depending on how many holes in the, the piece of metal that you use for, for the rope. It depends on... Uh, how much friction is involved to, to slow the person down. So we 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 were trying to figure out how slow do we want this uh the stunt to be for when I hit the rail. And then we 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 got it down to minimal and even uh minimally uh when Hito Kota is seeing us practice it it looks like I'm getting hung up by that piece of gold tail where it's like I hit the rail and then it just takes me a minute to to be able to get to the stairs to fall down the stairs. And he's like, it's just, it's still not looking right. It still like doesn't it, look natural. It's unnaturally yeah, slow. Yeah. yeah okay. so, so at that point, I'm just like <laughs> frustrated and I'm like, just the consistency and having to do this more and more is what's going to injure me. Like, I don't even care to, about the gold tail anymore. Just hold the rope. I don't even worry about the, the d-cell let's just go for it i don't want to keep doing this and he's like are you sure and i was like i just want to get it done so he's like okay so the riggers up at the top they held the rope and then three two one action uh just let me out as fast as possible and then I, i fell down to to the rail and then onto the stairs And uh, the footage itself looks insanely gnarly. But uh, I had my ribs go out of place. Um, I missed my back pad. And then, uh, yeah, Hito's like, you good, Noah? And I'm on the ground. I'm like, good. Yeah,
0: right. Uh, It's authentic then. Yeah. So Uh, if anybody's... And then is that the the clip they used? Uh, Yes. Yes, it is.
1: Yeah, they definitely used it. It looked really good. Hito was happy. Uh, Everybody was happy. And I'm sure it's on my Instagram somewhere if anyone wants to go check it
0: out. All right, we'll we'll find that. Send me the link, cause I'll I'll post that clip in the the bio of this episode. Cause that sounds like a super cool stunt. I've I've seen it. I've I've seen that episode. So that was um that was impressive. It it looks real and i guess it actually is real since you messed up your ribs doing it so. yeah <laughs> are you <laughs> but, all good now
1: oh yeah everything's okay. good but that was uh that was a fun day um we ended up doing 117 setups in a single day
0: uh for just for to filming. that single
1: uh well for, for that whole fight okay scene. that was the high school fight scene yeah. in, the, in the show and uh that was insane that's unheard of to be able to do that many setups but our rule was no tripods don't bring any stick of truss out whatever it's just keep everything handheld for the day like we don't have the luxury of time to be able to slow down do a long setup for anything it was run and gun the whole entire time we had a huge one fight scene um up, up in the locker area w- that we did with all the actors we had so many different like texas swaps where the stunt double would be hiding behind the camera the actor would Get sent through, and then the stunt double would come in and do something, and you'd think it's bad. The actor back in, but like we uh we used a lot of Hollywood magic in on that one, and uh yeah, we, we we made the day, but uh, going from doing that rail stunt, uh, and then having to go back and do a huge 70 beat fight afterwards, um, it was it was difficult because uh, with my ribs at that point, yeah, my oh man, so they didn't even like <laughs> save
0: that one for the end because that was like the riskiest of the yeah <laughs> of the thing that feels like that should have been the end of the day. Yeah. Right. Okay.
1: But, um, it was hard to pick my knee up. So, um, I called my neuromuscular therapist and I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, Oh, what's going on? I'm like, is there any way you can get here as fast as possible? And he's like, yeah, sure. And, uh, when you're working, you don't want to show a form of injury because they're going to be like, well, you can't, you can't keep doing things. Yeah. That's li- that's liability yeah. and all that. So, you're kind of keeping it hush hush. So I told him to go into this room over here and I'll meet him when I can. So, um, <laughs> once I had a break, I like ran over into the room and he grabbed my ribs and put them back in place. And then I finished the day.
0: Oh, that sounds nice. I've had, a uh, my, there's, there's one fight in my career that stands out as like the, the worst fight. And it was against a, a really good wrestler. And mm-hmm. the beginning of the first round, he drove me against the cage picked me up, slammed me, drove his shoulder into my ribs and they dislocated inwards
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they stayed there for the rest of the fight. So Like your
1: floating ribs just folded? Yeah. No, and wow. so I, <laughs> I
0: spent like three rounds on my back eating elbows and then um, I, I suffered a, a number of facial fractures which I, I didn't even know because my ribs hurt so bad but that yeah. like it just to um, th- and I went into the hospital the next day to get my ribs looked at and they're mm-hmm. like hey can we look at your face too? Uh, but that just is a testament to how bad that injury is and and i didn't i don't think that i, I wish i would have had this specialist because i sort of just had to like move and stretch in a certain way that and ev- they and would come back down they like down. <laughs> popped out and mm-hmm. it was instant relief and yeah. then um I and mean for the following week it like I, I closed the trunk of my car one time and like i just bent a certain way and they went back in mm. and it was just instant pain like luckily i was able to like move enough to get him out so it's like yeah, yeah I, I can totally sympathize with you of
1: yeah no you get it like. yeah <laughs> martial artist to martial artist <laughs> oh, but yeah
0: so it's really cool I, like i can't even imagine what that guy did to be able to get them to come back out because for me it just took like moving in weird ways
1: yeah no he's he's amazing his name's uh, rick volanueva he's uh, currently in virginia but uh he's he's got healing hands probably one of the the few neuromuscular therapists that i trust but i mean he's he saved me many times
0: and he came down that day yeah he well
1: not from virginia but he was he was here locally at the time and he's he he, he snuck in and good guy
0: good guy to have on speed dial oh yeah seriously
1: one of the few (laughs) yeah
0: so what like would there have been a scenario where you know had you not built up your skill set that you know you're the primary double for this character, but then there's one skill that they need to bring in a different sort of expert in and mm-hmm. and th- then it's just you're doing that for the you know for to make the the final product better right
1: mm-hmm. well I mean that goes back to our conversation that we had earlier, like if you're a niche performer where you're only a martial artist or whatever it's like you you, you might not be the the stunt double that goes the run of the film because it has multiple different things that the actor is having to do for the film so learning as many abilities as you can really solidifies you to be able to do the longer runs or or get the, the the bigger jobs and all that type of stuff but for the most part i mean for me i've been really thankful to to build up some abilities to where i can do those runs of the films but i mean you, you do hit those films where uh In the script, there's a very niche thing like paragliding. I don't know. It could be it could be whatever. It could be surfing. It could be just some type of ability that might be very niche for you or for for a lot of people. And they have to source a a professional that like looks as close as possible to that actor. So you might still be on that run doubling for everything, but they need to bring in that paraglider or whatever for for that one scene.
0: So sure, and then and that makes sense. It's Mm -hmm. not like a Mm -hmm. hard feelings because. Everybody yeah. understands we're all on the same page mm-hmm. and we just want to make a great film. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um. So then a kind of last question is just, uh, I'm curious if you look out in the future a little bit, so you're, you're young now uh, and have like a big, big career ahead of you actually doing stunts. But um there, I imagine there will be a time where you'll slow down naturally. Cause we all do a little mm-hmm. bit. What's, how do you like grow from there Um, uh, so that you have like, a, a long career even if you can't do every stunt yourself
1: for sure and um uh, that, that goes into to stunt coordinating for a lot of people um if if you kind of start to phase out of performing you might want to still be in it so you you lean more towards like uh running the the, the action design and the stunt performers and, and being the department head um i am, have already started to transition into stunt coordinating like i I, I was uh, one of the stunt coordinators for the reshoots for Miss Marvel uh, because of a guy named Tommy Harper. And fun fact, Tommy Harper grew up with Bet- uh, Bud Atkins and, and Steve McQueen oh, and their family. All right, but uh, yeah, so uh, it was really cool to live vicariously through some of the stories um, he was sharing with me as far as like uh, the stuff that he was able to experience with those guys. But Rabbit trailing, awesome guy. We'll talk about him sometime. But uh, yeah, no, I've I've had a couple people that fortunately, believe in me enough to, to go ahead and start coordinating now with the experience that I've gained. So, I mean, I'm not done with performing. Uh, I, I want to perform for a while, but it's it's cool to know that I have both outlets now to to be able to either be a department head and start coordinating and uh, designing the action as well as continue to perform as well. So looking at a couple of films right now um, uh, to to be coordinating one in Long Beach and one in Mexico. So just waiting to hear what's going to happen with that. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that at some point soon
0: yeah um, well you feel free anytime to let me know whatever you want off the record yeah no for sure (laughs) it's it's so interesting to me and and i yeah i think it should be interesting to everybody but i mean with uh me like i i feel weird even saying dabbling because it wasn't it was just Mm -hmm. well i guess we dabbled it was it was a lot of fun i was about Uh, to say
1: you i mean you jumped off of a a scaffolding thing and then your buddy caught you so (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah yeah we did. i mean you know a lot of like 17 18 19 20 year olds do dumb things and Mm -hmm. and that was the the dumb way that we spent our time but it was it was cool like we'd um we'd rent out like local movie theaters and invite all our friends to go like we'd host our own premiere and that was it right and then it it never saw the light of day again but
1: would you credit your father to learning camera and like uh composition uh for for some of the stuff he taught you with, uh, photography and all that for, for the stuff that you guys were making? Yeah, a hundred percent.
0: And, uh, and I sadly didn't take advantage. Right. So, and, but my friend did, right. Mm -hmm. So my, uh, Hisani really, um, looked at him as a, as a mentor and wanted those skills. And I, I'd say I probably gravitated uh, more towards producing. And, and funny enough, that's like my, my parents had a business together Mm -hmm. and that was more my mom's role was like the business end of things. And that's, that just appealed to me. Um, it's a, there's a lot of patience Mm -hmm. to, to do, uh, probably any kind of lighting, but like the style of lighting that my dad did, it was, it was very, uh, precision and, and a lot of patience. And I think I didn't quite have it where, um that you know different personality and my friend has it like it he the, there was a joy that he found in that and it's was, it was kind of like a puzzle right and you mm-hmm. you move lights and and you you shoot and then you look at it and you see all the different effects that you get so i i think i didn't that that wasn't my cup of tea i didn't have the patience for it but i mean that it is a a skill it's an art and mm-hmm. and um and he gravitated to it so it it was cool that's where uh i mean we made a good team right cuz we sort of had different Brought different things to the table and it was a lot of fun, but yeah, no, is like growing up in the studio um, at a minimum had a lot of exposure to just create visually like creative things and uh, and I'm sure a lot of that soaked in. Mm-hmm. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, uh, no, I love it. But if you ever decide to do stunts again, let me know.
0: Yeah, sure. Well, <laughs> you know what I would do? Um, well, I coach now. Like, if um, if there's ever a need for like a like a consultant on Certain techniques or something, I'd, I'd be happy to do that. And, um, but <laughs> for sure. No,
1: definitely. But, uh, I mean, at the very least, maybe we can make a film together.
0: Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> and, uh, and then, um, the other thing we need to do is, is a long, good ride because, because yeah. we need to get, um, some good riding stories in your bank. Let's
1: do it. I'm so. down.
0: Sweet. Well, uh, awesome to talk to you, Noah, and, uh, uh we'll be in touch soon.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Noah Garrett. As usual, I have a slew of links in the bio to this episode, including a link about the film that he's most recently been in, where he actually did his motorcycle riding debut on film, which is Do Revenge on Netflix. All right, until next time, ride safe.